0: But the Spirit is here with us today, magnified because we're gathered together in the name of Jesus. And His presence is with us. His peace is with us. His healing is with us. His life is with us. When you go home today, all of that is going to go with you. You know, when, when, when the Bible says that the Spirit lives within you, right? The Spirit is not an aspect of God. The Spirit is God. The same that Jesus is God and the Father is God. And so when you leave here with the Spirit in you, you're leaving here with the one who provides healing, who provides uh, peace and hope, who provides salvation, the one who provides uh, money when you need it and provision when you need it. All the things that we need are within us as Christians. But sometimes, sometimes I'm bothered by the difference in what is in us and what is going on around us. Come on. If you look at the world, what we see is that there's peace peace within us, the church, but there's turmoil in the world around us. There's healing within us, the church, but there's sickness and pain and hurt within the world around us. There is life within us, life, eternal life within us, yet it seems like there's death everywhere around us there is hope within us and there's hopelessness around us i don't know if you've paid attention or not but the world is a mess and it's been a mess from day one and it's still a mess and it seems like it's getting worse i don't know if it is or not but i can tell you this the world is a mess we see evil out there all the time and listen it's not just the world that's a mess can we be honest we're a mess too ain't we come on Look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess. Some of y'all were, y'all were convicted when you said that. <laughs> Whew. We have a flesh still, don't we? You know, that God's going to perfect you, spirit, soul, and body. And when you're born again, your spirit is perfected. But your soul, which is the, the internal part of you, the, the mental thinking, the personality, the part that relates to other people is not perfect. You know how I know that? Because sometimes you think dumb things and your body's not perfect. You know how I know that? Because I got eyes. Come on. How many of you looked in the mirror today and you realize, man, I am, what is happening to me? We have not been perfected. We have a flesh and the flesh is not perfect. We see fear in our flesh. We see doubt in our flesh. We see sin in our flesh. We see lack in our flesh. We see weakness in our own flesh. Sometimes it bothers me that I know the Word has promised me that the goodness and the greatness of God is within me. I don't doubt it because the Word tells me that. I believe the Word of God. But there's a difference between what's within me and what is without of me. Are you with me today? Galatians five nineteen through 21 says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, the things like of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, can I tell you that this just describes the world around us, dissensions and disagreements. All you have to do is bring up uh, politics and people going after each other. All you have to do is bring up race and people going after each other. All you have to do is bring up uh, the billionaires, the 1% versus the 99 and people going at each other. There is outbursts of anger. It's going on in the world and honestly it happens in our flesh too, doesn't it? We get in the flesh sometimes and we get a little snotty and snooty and we like to, you know, we like to talk about the politicians we don't like or the neighbors we don't like or the people of church we don't like or, oh, uh, picking on Joel Osteen. Lots of Christians do that online. Joel Osteen's a a thief and stealing from everybody and and all of that kind of stuff. And I would just say, you know, judgment is like a boomerang. It's coming back to you and it's going to smack you in the head if you're not careful. Come on. We have this wonderful God within us, this peace within us, this love within us, this power within us. And yet around us, we constantly see the opposite of it. The flesh is messed up. How can it be that the God of the universe who lives within us, and yet there is so much turmoil and evil outside of us? You and I, we are the church. We have been called to bring the message of God to the world. We've been called to be living witnesses of his love. We've been called to demonstrate his love in the way we live with power and with purpose. And you have been given everything you need within you. It's all within you. The problem is it doesn't come out of us as often as it should. Come on. The love of God is in you, but it doesn't come out of us as often as As it should. The problem that we have, if you've noticed, it's hard to get out of you the good things that are in you. It's hard to live out in the flesh what we desire in our hearts. Come on, somebody. You desire to do good, you desire to change the world, you desire to please God, but your flesh wants to be lazy and consume everything you've got upon yourself. Your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. Matthew twenty six forty through 41, and he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Listen to this, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If I could say one thing about Christians, if I could say one thing about the church, if I could say one thing about myself that is the biggest problem with getting what's in us out of us is, is that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Come on are you hearing me today? We have the desire, we just can't get it out of us. You could say the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak that's where we get christians who have emptiness and powerlessness and and they talk boldly in the church but they go on their jobs and they're afraid to tell anyone about jesus or even uh let people know they go to church uh they get online and they're afraid to speak up because somebody is going to make fun of them or tell them that they're a a racist or a homophobe or something like that they're going to be accused and attacked because they're weak in their flesh I want you to notice about the disciples. When Jesus said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, they were in the garden. He was about to be arrested and was going to be crucified. You remember Peter stood up when they came to arrest him and he cut off uh, one of the people trying to arrest him, cut off his ear and Jesus healed him. Peter had a moment where he was courageous, but eventually he ran away. And he stood by the fire while Jesus was being accused and he denied Jesus three times. You remember it? All of the disciples ran in fear. All of them were afraid. The Bible says the the, the shepherd would be smitten and the sheep would scatter. That's exactly what happened. And we've got a world full of Christians today who live that way. They have a, a powerless life because what's in them never comes out of them. Their flesh is so weak, their spirit wants to. They want to, but In the moment that it becomes necessary to stand up and demonstrate the power and the courage of God, they do not have what it takes. You could say of them, the spirit is willing, but their flesh is weak. You know, when you become a Christian, like I said before, your spirit is born again. Your your spirit was dead before you accepted Christ. Your spirit is brought to life and born again. and, And in your spirit is perfection. God is united with you in your spirit. In fact, in your spirit is how God connects with you through your spirit. And, and it is in there that perfection exists. You are one third perfected child of God because your spirit, soul, and body. When you die and you go to be in the presence of God and you see Jesus face to face, then your soul will be perfected, right? And when the, the dead in Christ rise and the trumpets of God sounds and the resurrection occurs, then your mortal body will put on immortality and the third part of you will be made perfect. When that day comes, you will be wholly perfect. As Paul said, I want you to be perfected holy spirit soul and body are you with me today in the meantime we have a flesh that doesn't want to do what god wants us to do our bodies don't want to do what god wants us to do how many of you want to get up in the morning come on some of you are morning people don't raise your hand because everybody else will be mad at you (laughs) morning people (laughs) right oh how many of you like eating right eating healthy food oh man Kathy and I had Taco Bell last night, and oh, we woke up this morning going, (laughs) we shouldn't have done that, Jesus, I mean, we prayed over it, but, you know, sometimes, oh, Jesus, we can't keep a New Year's resolution, you know, I always go back to the same thing, you know, you go to, man goes to get dinner for his family, drives through McDonald's, and he gets that bag of food for his family and he's taking it home so they can eat and he smells and feels that hot bag and those fries and what does he do he digs into the fries and, and he rolls the bag back up like that's all I'm going to get I'm not going to get any more. but then he hits another red light and he just can't he can't resist so he gets a little more and he does that so much that he's sitting in the driveway at home and now he's trying to distribute what's left over so everybody gets a little bit of fries why do I know that story <laughs> You know why I know that story. Because we can't resist. The flesh is weak. Come on. We, are, we have an excellent treasure that's trying to be distributed to a, an earthen vessel. A weak vessel. A weak flesh. But God has an answer for our weak flesh. Acts 1-8, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Somebody say glory to God. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the remotest part of the earth. You see, God's answer for our weak flesh is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God knew the spirit would be willing and the flesh would be weak. God knew that, so he gave us the Holy Spirit to be not only in us, but to be upon us. I want to talk to you today about being filled with the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit can give power to your flesh so that you can live the way that you want to live, the way that God wants you to live, the way the Spirit is pushing you to live. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait there. And don't do any ministry. Don't do anything. Don't tell a single soul about anything about God until you be endued with power from on high. And we know in Acts chapter 2, they were in one accord in the upper room praying together in unity. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Hallelujah. I want you to understand that word upon is important. It's important. Because when you're saved, the Spirit comes within you. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he comes upon you. Come on. That word upon occurs a, a number of times in scriptures. It occurs here in Acts 1.8. You will see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When Jesus came up out of the water after being baptized and, and the Bible says a dove ascended upon him. The dove representing the Holy Spirit ascended upon him. Acts chapter 2 says that tongues of fire came down and sat upon them. It matters. That word upon comes from the Greek word epi. Epi is the same word that we use for epidermis. Your epidermis is your skin. There are other words that use that prefix epi. And it always means the same thing. It means the surface of. It means the part of you that people can see and feel and touch and relate to. What part of you is that? It's the flesh. It's your outward life that people can see. Listen, if you've got the love of God within your spirit, but it never comes out of your flesh, it never comes out of your mouth or your actions, nobody knows you got the love of God. They can't see spiritual things unless you demonstrate them with your epi. That's why you need God's power not just in you. You need it upon you. I want you to notice what happened when Jesus came out of the water and the spirit descended upon him. He immediately was taken by the spirit into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil. He overcame the devil. And then he walked into the temple and he read the scripture from Isaiah that said the spirit of the Lord is what? Is upon me. Hallelujah. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And the Bible says from that day on he was led by the spirit to do ministry. You know why God puts the Spirit upon you? So that you will be in ministry. So that you will be his witness. It isn't to make you feel good. It isn't so you can make a ton of money. It's so that you can be a witness to the world around you. God wants to empower your weak flesh so you can do the work of the Lord. What happened to the disciples when the Holy Spirit came upon them? They went from being weak and frail and afraid to being courageous and bold. You remember Peter denied Jesus three times. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and he was so courageous, he was beaten, and he still would not uh, deny Jesus. He was proclaiming Jesus even in the midst of the possibility of death. That's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You go from a weak flesh that doesn't want to do anything to an empowered flesh that God can use to do his work through you. Come on. Hallelujah. We see not only Peter was given courage, he was was given uh, uh, knowledge and wisdom. This is the same Peter that he was constantly bumbling. And all the disciples, they missed it. Jesus uh, said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they thought he was mad because they didn't bring bread. Remember that? They were confused. Uh, uh, Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus one time, and Peter said, Oh, this is, this is great. I'll build, some, I'll build some enclosures for you. As if Moses and Elijah and Jesus needed enclosures built for them. Sometimes they just missed it. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. But... Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the same day, at the same time, he digs all the way back in the Old Testament to the prophet Joel and he pulls out from Joel what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and 3,000 souls are saved that day. He went from being bumbling, not understanding what's going on, to the Holy Spirit empowering his mind to know exactly what to preach. Are you with me today? Jesus said you'll receive power. That word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means, which is the same word we get dynamite from. Explosive transformational power. You know, you want to dig a hole in the side of a mountain, you can use a pick and shovel. I wouldn't advise it. I would advise you get some dynamite. You get some explosives. That's how you get through uh, the side of a mountain. Come on, somebody. You can live your life without the power. You can be a Christian without the power. I don't advise it. It would be a whole lot easier if you had the power upon you. Come on. The power is for purpose. What happens when you have the power upon you? God gives you ambition and motivation. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, God gave me an ambition, a desire to work and pursue and accomplish things and learn and grow. I have learned and grown more. They say that you learn more from zero to 18 or so than you do the rest of your life. Can I promise you that is not the case for me? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit drives me to know, drives me to pursue, drives me to accomplish, drives me to do things. Some people think I'm done now. I got news for you. I'm just getting started. And it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit, not only within me, but he's upon me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit gives you ambition and motivation, and he gives you courage. Listen, you're going to need courage. Jesus said, the world hated me, they're going to hate you too. The world attacked me, they're going to attack you too. And and you know what? You can't, the Holy Spirit is going to push you to be a light in the world. You can't hide your light. You have to let it shine, which means some people aren't going to like the light. They're not going to like you representing God, representing truth, representing Jesus. Come on. You're going to need courage to stand up in this world and the Holy Spirit will give you courage. You're going to need supernatural wisdom and knowledge. God can give wisdom to you that you wouldn't have had without it. He'll show you situations and things that you wouldn't have seen if the Holy Spirit wasn't upon you. But the Holy Spirit, he's not just in your body, he's in your mind and in your emotions. He's given you the ability to understand what's going on and to see how to navigate through the world. Oh, how many times has the Holy Spirit, I've been going in a direction, and the Holy Spirit says, Nope. Wrong way, turn this way. Whew. And there's even times when I reject or I don't listen to the voice and I keep trying to push my way through. Can I tell you, God makes me turn. God forces me to turn. Are you hearing me today? God will give you wisdom and knowledge. He'll also give you discipline. Ooh, I'm going to hang here for a second. That's, a, that's most people's problem right there. Discipline. They, they know the word. They know what they should do. They just don't have the discipline to do it. And the Holy Spirit will empower your disciplinator. (laughs) Yeah, I just made that up. That's good, isn't it? There's a little box in you. (laughs) And when that box is working right, you do what you know you should do and not what you want to do. Oh, I'm all in your business now, ain't I? The fruit of the Spirit is self-discipline. The Holy Spirit will empower you to do the things you should do and not just do the things you want to do. Can I be honest with you today? Most of the good things that God wants us to do, our flesh doesn't want to do. God wants you to get up and go to work. Your flesh doesn't want to go to work. God wants you to stop blowing money. Your flesh wants to blow money. God wants you to come to the house of God. Uh, Your flesh doesn't want you to come to the house of God. God wants you to give so you can receive. Your flesh doesn't want to give. Everything good that you should do, your flesh doesn't want to do. But God will give you the discipline to make your flesh obey what God wants you to do. Come on. Come on. The power upon you will not only give you discipline, but will give you special abilities. God will turn up your talent when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be a better singer, better preacher, better father, better husband, better everything. Better. You'll be better at everything. Can I promise you that? And there are some things that fall within your calling that you will become extraordinary at. Are you hearing me today? If God has called you to be one of those that helps your neighbor and, and loves people and has compassion for people and just helps the everyday man, can I tell you, you will, you will uh, succeed in that. You will do so well in that because the Spirit will give you the power to do what you couldn't do on your own. Once again, you can try to live your life without the power, but I don't advise it. God will give you also spiritual gifts. God will give you spiritual gifts. He's given us spiritual gifts like the uh, speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And, and one of the gifts that God has given me that is at the, the cornerstone of my ministry today is, is not preaching today. Are you understand? That's one of them. But, but what I'm talking about is the gift of discerning of spirits. God has given me the ability to read people in situations and that has come in handy so many times because God has shown me how to pray, shown me how to talk to people, shown me what to do because I I understand what they're going through even though they've never said a word. Come on, are you with me today? Some of you, God has gifted you with prophecy and you can speak things into people's lives and it is transformational. Some of you, God has given the gift of healing. All of us can pray for healing, but some of you have a special gifting, and you ought to walk around laying hands on everybody you come in contact with. Amen? Some of you have been given the gift of faith that when all of us, even us Christians, kind of get down and doubtful, you walk into the room and you lift us all up. You say, nope, God's going to take care of all of this. I'm going to raise the faith level in here. Amen? Oh, when the Holy Spirit comes on the church, we get different gifts, but they all help each other, and they all point us in the same direction, and that is to glorify and magnify the Lord our God, because at the end of the day, the power is for a purpose. The power is so that a world that can't see God sees Him through your life. Let your light shine so they may see your good works. Glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I know the Bible says don't, you know, don't do your works in front of people uh, so that you get glory or pats on the back, right? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Some people think that means that any good thing you do for God has to be so secret that no one ever knows it. Can I promise you that's not true at all? The whole point of those scriptures is that you shouldn't be doing things in front of people for the purpose of receiving a pat on the back from people, right? It doesn't mean we shouldn't do things in front of people. In fact, once again, a world that is spiritually dead can't see anything from God. John chapter three, Jesus tells John, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. The spirit blows like the wind wherever it wishes and the the spirit knows and the people of the spirit know, but the rest of the world has no idea what's going on. They can't see it, they have to see it In your life in your fleshly life that's why Jesus said let your light shine let's let's go through that really quickly let that means it's within you but you have a responsibility to open the door to flip the switch let your we know the light comes from God but it comes through your life it's your light you have to let your light light is something that brings uh, reality into our vision truth into our vision now more than ever the world needs light so they can see the truth they're not getting it from the cable news channels or social media they're going to get it from your life let your light shine let it go out a light is not designed to be hidden but put out there to the world let it shine so they can see oh if, if we don't let our light shine they'll never see it They won't see God unless our light shines. Let your lights shine so they can see. What are they looking at? Your good works. Why are they looking at your good works? Because once again, they can't see your motivation. They can't see the spirit within you. They're dead spiritually. They can't see that Jesus lives within you if you don't demonstrate it in the way you live in the flesh. Come on, somebody. That's why he said, let your light shine so they can see your good works. And when they see your good works, the Holy Spirit will come and bring conviction upon them. He will draw them to Jesus and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Are you with me today? The power is upon you so that you and I can be living witnesses. So the world will have somebody to look at and they will see Jesus in you. Can I tell you, I know most of you here for a long time and I have seen Jesus at work in your life. There are times when I've seen you in the flesh. There's times when you've seen me in the flesh. But there are times when I've seen Jesus in you. He is undeniable. The good works, the good love, the good things that come out of you cannot be denied. Come on. Because you have the power upon you. Earlier I read to you what the works of the flesh are. Let's read what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness in a faithless world. It's gentleness. It's self-control. Against things like this, there's no rules or laws. These are the things that come upon us that are produced in our life when the Spirit has come upon our life. Hallelujah. I'm here today, you today, church. What the world needs is a church that has the power of God, not just in them, but upon them. A people, listen, it's not going to make you perfect to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're still going to be a knucklehead. Can I tell you that right now? You're still going to say dumb things and do dumb things. What it means is that when the Holy Spirit gets ready to use you, you can do it. What it means is no longer does Jesus look at his people and say the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. No, Jesus says the spirit is willing and the flesh is able. Come on, hallelujah. When God looks at you, he says the spirit is willing and the flesh is able. When Jesus came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can I tell you when the spirit comes upon your life, the father looks down upon us and says, these are my children. In these I am well pleased, hallelujah. So how is one baptized in the Holy Spirit? There are simply three things you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And today, I want, to let, I want you to just let go of all the things you've ever thought or learned about the Holy Spirit and, and listen to these three things because they're real simple. People think it's hard to be filled with the Holy Spirit baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's simple. One is you must be born again. God doesn't baptize people in the Holy Spirit who are not His children. You must be born again. Two, when you're born again, you must be willing, listen to me, You must be willing to submit your fleshly life to the mastery of the Holy Spirit. There are some Christians today who are saved on the inside, but they haven't reached that point where they're willing to say, God, my money's yours. My body's yours. My career's yours. I'll do what you want me to do. You're going to have to, as a a minister of God, you're going to have to obey the Holy Spirit and be willing to give money when he says give money, even though the bank account says you shouldn't give money. You're going to have to be willing to push your body when everyone's telling you to stop. You're going to have to be willing to love your enemy, right? You see, you can be a Christian and not do those things. And there are some who have not submitted their flesh, their fleshly earthly life to the will of the spirit. You must be at that point where you say, God, I want you to use me and whatever you do with me is okay by me. So you must be born again, submit your flesh to the will of the spirit and then ask jesus said if you ask the father for the holy spirit he'll give you the holy spirit come on he will give you the holy spirit how do i know i'm full of the holy spirit well are you born again did you submit your flesh and did you ask that's all that matters right there we don't know we're filled with the holy spirit because we have an emotional reaction we know because the word said if we ask we shall receive come on somebody hallelujah Some of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that from time to time, all of us who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit need to be renewed in the Spirit. It's like plumbing. Plumbing gets clogged up and the flow doesn't work anymore. Sometimes your pipes are clogged. There's good things in you, but they can't get through you because there's a clog you've gotten in the flesh and you're thinking about yourself and you're feeling sorry for yourself or you're mad at your neighbor, your husband or your wife. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. And you get clogged up, and what you need is a a Roto-Rooter to come through there and clean some of that junk out of you so the Spirit can start flowing out of your mouth and out of your mind and out of your actions. Come on, I'm in your house today, ain't I? Yeah, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1987. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 2001. Whenever it was, we need renewing experiences. How do you get renewed in the Spirit? Reaffirm your willingness to submit your flesh to the Holy Spirit. Tell God, God, I've been doing it my way. I repent of that. Uh, The Holy Spirit is my master, and and I'm submitting my life to you once again. Whatever you need for me, I'm going to give to you. And we need to do that over and over again. And then one thing I would say to you is speak in tongues, pray in tongues. The gift of prayer in tongues is given to everybody who's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you today, people say, well, do I have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I would say that's the wrong way to look at it. It's, it's more like, why would you not? It's such a great blessing to speak in tongues, to pray in tongues. What does it mean? It just sounds like a bunch of jibber-jabber to me, Pastor. Well, you know, the Bible says that when we speak things, they become reality. Our words are powerful and important, right? But, you know, when we pray with our conscious mind, sometimes we pray out of the will of God. Let me give you an extreme example. Let's say you go to visit somebody in the hospital that you don't know really well. It's easy to pray, Lord, let your will be done in their life. If you want them to go to heaven, God, that's okay. And if you want them to stay here, that's okay. That's easy to do when it ain't somebody you know. But when it's your kids, when it's your mom, you're praying, God, please, please. Why? Because you have a flesh. You have desires of your own. You have a mind that's saying, God, I would like it to turn out this way. Sometimes when we pray with our mind, our mind filters the will of God. We start praying for things we want rather than what God wants. And listen, sometimes praying for what God wants is hard. It's hard. But when you pray in tongues, can I tell you something? The Bible says the Holy Spirit gives the utterance. You know what that means? You have never prayed in tongues out of the will of God. Not one syllable that came out of your mouth in tongues has ever been out of the will of God. You declare the perfect, powerful will of God when you pray in tongues. Come on, somebody. So the question, why do I have to pray in tongues to be full of the Spirit? No, the question is, why would you not? When you could be declaring the perfect will of God over your life and everybody around you. Come on. So if you want to be renewed in the Spirit, if you want to be baptized in the Spirit, I want to encourage you today. Just submit your flesh to the will of the Spirit. Ask. Reaffirm your commitment to the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. I found that as we speak in tongues, that clog gets cleared up and the Spirit begins to flow out of us. If we're willing to use our mouth in obedience to the Holy Spirit, then we're likely to use our feet and our hands and our pocketbook and our calendar and our schedule and every other aspect of our lives. But sometimes it just needs to start with our mouth. So today, if you're in the house of God today and you want the power upon you, I want you to stand to your feet. Let's lift our hearts and lift our hands. And if you can, just begin to speak in an unknown tongue. Don't worry about what it sounds like or how loud it is or what anybody else thinks. Just begin to speak in an unknown tongue.